What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. His balls are incredible. He's putting the balls on the money. This week on Pod Like a Raven. That childish intro brought to you by me. Uh, because why not? That's a Mark Andrews quote on Lamar Jackson about how he's been just dishing it all over the field this offseason. It's positivity. It's about players who are on the roster. It's about players who are signed to long-term contracts. And we like it. I'm Antonio Barbera. Thanks for being here to listen to us on Pod Like a Raven. Let me bring in my co-hosts in a calm offseason which is what we have enjoyed, where we have to do intros such as the one that I just did, finding scraps of, of fun and levity. First on the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, how are you? I mean, I found the title of the episode. His balls are incredible, so that's good. Usually that takes uh, you know about halfway through the recording. Now we got it right off the rip, which I love. I'm doing great, man. Had a great time celebrating yourself this weekend. Uh, and like you said, total zen. Like, we were just before, it's almost a good thing that we don't have a ton of stuff to talk about, but we still get together and, you know, shoot the S, and I, I can't wait to do it again here on Pod Like a Raven. Yeah, b- burying the lead uh, a little bit here. Happened to get married this weekend. It happened. Woo! It was a thing that Woo! happened. And I had I had both my co-hosts in attendance, which was quite amazing. Tim was there, as was the other, the other co-host of the show, Jace Evans, on the East Coast right now. Because of hanging out over the weekend. Jace, how are you doing? Uh, we talked a little earlier. You got a very early flight of 9 a.m. coming up. So, uh, yeah, the East Coast struggle for you is real, I guess. But how's the Ravens fandom going? Oh, it's going, it's going great, Antonio. We, we were just chatting a little beforehand. Putting the Lamar drama in the rear view with the contract, it's, I, it's just such a different vibe at this time than I feel like we had at this time last season. Uh, and it's really refreshing, and it's a lot of positivity, which 
is kind of rare for certainly all three of us on this program. <laughs> and it's a great place to be. Uh, you know, Tim and I, we discussed uh, at uh, while celebrating uh, with you all over the weekend. How we had to get some Ravens in, even though there was the wedding. We had oh, to talk for sure. a little Ravens. We had time to talk. And we, 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 but we said, because we're such pessimists, everything's so good now. We know something bad's on the horizon. Yep. But for now, yep. we'll, we'll, we'll push that those Ravens fears to the side and just celebrate the good. And yeah, it, it's, it's been great. Had a wonderful weekend with you all celebrating and uh, yeah. And, and the vibes are high, I think for Ravens fans at the moment. Uh, certainly I think as high as they've been since, you know, I would say uh, days before the 2021 season when everything took a dramatic turn and it, we've been on a roller coaster ever since. And it feels good to be back at this place again. Can I ask a quick question to Jace before we get started here? Jace, you're on the East Coast now, obviously. It's for, for Antonio's wedding, heading back at 9 a.m. tomorrow. What is the average wake-up time here on the East Coast? And does it differ? Then does it differ from the West Coast? You know, just local local time. You don't need to do the math. But it, are, you, are you waking up later on the East Coast? Are you waking up earlier? For those of you that might not know or a new listener, Jace is a notorious night owl. To the point where I would get in at my early morning radio job and see him still on Facebook Messenger and knew that he was still awake from the night before and have to tell him, go to sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> it is six in the morning over here on the East Coast. So what's the schedule been like as you've been uh, gallivanting up and down the East Coast? <laughs> it, I, I definitely go to bed a little earlier than I do on the West Coast. And subsequently, I do wake up a little earlier. I will say, though, this past week, uh, that wake up time has been backsliding in a big way. <laughs> In, uh, I worked a few days, so that keeps me up till 2 a.m. Or kept me up till t- at least 2 a.m. Probably stayed up closer to 3. So, yeah, we, we backslid to close to noon again, <laughs> which is well, not what I think most people want to hear. But, uh, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's my life. This is what it is. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping let's let's wake up before noon in 2020, the rest of 2023. Half the year's over, but <laughs> I could. Uh, I could. My my turn for for a, for an interview. It's just it, we're just interviewing Jace at this point. Uh, I know we spent some time Friday night and then spent some time Saturday night for the wedding. Friday night, I said to you at a certain point, we have to get one Bernie in on Saturday night. That was Jace and, and my uh, signature dance move back in the college days. Mm. And then Jace, I kind of forgot. Did it happen Saturday? Did we have did one of Did we do it individually? Because I was doing it at some point, but I don't know if it was with you or like a great aunt or some random person or what happened there. I can't fully speak to if we did the collective Bernie. However, <laughs> I can confirm there were Bernies done. Uh, several of them, certainly earlier in the night, probably more than later. But who's to say what happened later? I guess <laughs> there may have been Bernies then too. <laughs> Couldn't the listener doesn't you. know. Just look it up. Just look up YouTube. I don't know, Google incognito mode. I don't think it has to be incognito, but just Antonio, look up. Antonio, we were the all yeah. simpatico here because, you know, we all, like our group of college friends, kind of met before to all travel to the wedding together. They were staying at a hotel that was close to the venue, and I, I got there a little bit later, um, driving up from Ellicott City, and, I, and first see Jace. He lets me into the hotel room. We're all hanging out. Everybody's talking, what have you. Over under four and a half minutes until I ask him how many Bernies are we doing tonight, and he brings up the fact that you know Antonio and I have already talked about this. We've had a pre-show meeting. The Bernie is going to come alive. I can I can confirm that there were Bernies on the dance floor. Um, and long may it continue. It's just it's a it's a classic. It's a classic dance Such for the kids dance. of our era. All right, um, 
Yeah, I'm already hoarse. We're six minutes in. If it gets worse and worse, I apologize, you know, to all the listeners. But it it is what it is. Uh, let's get into some some Ravens news because that is what we uh, that's what we give the good people. And there's a couple of nothing major, but several very small, very weird things that have come out of uh, Raven Land in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the oldest news of which is the Ravens signing quarterback Josh Johnson. Again, um, so, you know, signing a, a backup slash third string quarterback isn't normally news, but it is worth discussing in this context of he, he's been everywhere. He is a backup quarterback, obviously, but he's kind of, I think, in between being a backup, a second string and a third string. He's kind of like a 2.5 string quarterback and signing him at this point of the offseason is a bit odd to me for what his service would normally be. Is is Huntley now on the hot seat? Uh, does Johnson have a legit chance to steal the backup role? Is this is this here's my spicy take. Is this a small sign, a first little sign from Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, about how this offense is gonna look? That maybe Johnson is actually a better fit as a backup quarterback to Huntley, who was there because he was a clone, in theory, you know, a backup clone of Lamar Jackson and could run that exact same system. Are things changing here a little bit where we need a Josh Johnson-type backup, or uh, or is it something else? Guys, what are, what are your thoughts on uh, on this some seemingly random signing, I'll say? I guess first off... Is Josh Johnson an indicator of the offense changing? No, I think Odell Beckham Jr. and Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers all coming in uh, and Lamar saying he wants to throw for 6,000 yards and the balls being awesome are all more of an (laughs) indicator that the offense is changing than Josh Johnson coming in. Uh, And also, you're disparaging Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler Huntley, which I think is just (laughs) egregious of you, the Ravens fan, Antonio Barbera. I think this is more, and we've spoken about this a little bit, this is more of the NFL's new rule. Um, this comes from Ari Miroff back in late May um, at my sports update on Twitter about the NFL owners passing the bylaw that allows teams to have a third quarterback in uniform, essentially a 47th active player on game day. Basically the Brock Purdy rule, which Josh Johnson was a part of in the <laughs> NFC championship game where, uh, you know, a highly anticipated semifinal that we were all very much looking forward to. Immediately got ruined when Brock Purdy went out injured and they didn't have anybody else to play. And Josh Johnson had to step in and it was an unmitigated disaster uh, for for the Niners there, uh, which is hilarious. Just still Brock Purdy being the one thing, the linchpin that crumbled this great 49ers team. It's funny to me. But um, I think it's more this. They, they can have a third quarterback on the roster. If somebody, if... There's a team that loses their star quarterback to injury and go, you know who we should trade for to keep us afloat? Tyler Huntley. I think it gives us uh, the Ravens a little bit more flexibility in that regard to say, hey, you know, that second round pick looks really nice uh, for a team that's probably going to be bad and we'll just keep Josh Johnson's backup. But for me, this is more this you can have a third quarterback now um, and could also just be a camp arm that you know by the end of the season is gone and they they decide to just roll with the two quarterbacks instead uh so yeah I, it is not the, the the 
defining moment of Todd Munkin's offense in his early Ravens reign for me. No, Tim, I'm a tea leaves guy, all right? I don't need I the understand. you know the quote about how Prochet is looking great. Bro, James Prochet <laughs> is in the best shape of his life. I'm looking for why. Why, you know... The uh, the wind horse thing. Like, why would they do that? Why would they? Why would they sign Josh <laughs> why Johnson would, why would they do that? Uh, in May <laughs> as a third string quarterback? It is interesting, and I guess like part of it, I kind of agree. Like, obviously, John Harbaugh is not averse to. We had three quarterbacks on the roster when this wasn't a rule <laughs> with RG three, uh, mm. and you know, was it Trace McSorley and Lamar a few years ago? Um, so I think, like, now that it's, like, more flexible, it kind of just, I think, makes sense to bring it in. And obviously Johnson's a guy Harbaugh must love because this is his third different time <laughs> coming through uh, during the Harbaugh years uh, through this organization. Um, I do think it is interesting, though, Antonio, how different he is. Now, I do think Josh Johnson kind of is your quintessential backup, so I think it's useful to have a guy like him around. But he is 37 years old, and, like... You know, that's like the thing where I'm like, Huntley is a UFA next year. He's probably not coming back because, like, what are they going to show out to have him be uh, the backup? But at the same time, it's like, well, Josh Johnson's not your backup of the future because he's also 37 years old. So um, I do think it's interesting that you do just bring in a guy. I mean, I think it can't hurt because we saw what the Tyler Huntley experience is in longer doses. And, um, you know, I thought Josh Johnson, the one game we ever saw Josh Johnson play for the Ravens actually went pretty good, all things considered. So um, I think he's just kind of a reliable old hand. You can kind of, you know, fall back on and absolutely necessary. I still think Huntley probably has the inside track to be Lamar's backup just because he's been around for so long now. But, you know, if if Johnson launch, uh, latches onto or, like, figures out Munkin's scheme more or just operates – better within it thanks to his you know veteran experience i could see him beating out huntley maybe in the pecking order uh if they if, if god forbid lamar gets hurt a third straight year it's not happening oh, i'm all man. about on, positivity we can't can't be three straight years of this so lamar's gonna play all 17 games and we're not gonna have to worry about it but if he doesn't i couldn't see them potentially you know calling on uh a guy like johnson first over Huntley if they just feel more comfortable uh, specifically Todd Munkin feels more comfortable with him yeah so that's it about Josh Johnson uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably more than we needed to do on Josh Johnson to be honest good guy hell of a guy really good in the locker room uh, alright the next thing to talk about uh, and this is peak wow peak June <laughs> NFL storyline um, but you're welcome listener uh, it's, JK, it's J.K. Dobbins just tweeting out the good old stuff. Uh, qu- quote, Baltimore, Ravens flock. I hope I'm here until the end of my career. I love you. End quote. Next tweet. <laughs> quote, I don't know, though, sadly. Um, <laughs> no, he's not throwing out lyrics to, like, Green Day or something like that. Like, no, no, this is how he feels. It's the latest in the J.K. Dobbins drama. My take on this, short and sweet. Got to keep the voice rested. Let me know when he plays one full season as a starter. That's it. And then we'll start getting into, uh, you know, his love and the city and the relationship and the dynamics. and the, One. One season, and then we can talk about what he deserves and where he should be and what he should be doing. Take it away, fellas. I hate this. Like, I just, <laughs> like, shut up. Like, like, it's just one of those things, and I'm trying to be positive here, of... of 
this, and this is going to be old man yells at cloud, but this generation of player and athlete and like ha- basically feeling like they have to tweet out or mention everything that they're feeling or every thought that's on their mind. Like, and sometimes it's funny when Marlon Humphrey's like, I don't understand coffee or whatever, like that day, or like, let's do yoga. And it's like, all right, cool, Marlon. Like, nobody needs to know about this, but sure, fine. But I feel like guys like J.K. Dobbins and Patrick Queen, like, why stir stir the drink? You know what I mean? Like, why? There's There's no point in doing this. And you know what? Completely sensible take. He's probably right. Good that he loves Baltimore. He ain't going to be here forever. If if he is supposed to do what, oh my God, every analyst who isn't a Ravens person who's just a national media guy just assumes that J.K. Dobbins is like the next coming of Christ as a running back. And like, J.K.'s great, but the, your best ability is availability, as Antonio just said. And I get you have all the talent in the world, and it was terrible injury. The fact that, you know, that we're playing in Washington in preseason again is annoying because I would not play any starters there where J.K., you know, infamously tore up his knee, and it wasn't just an ACL. It was much worse a couple seasons ago. Um, I, I, I don't – I don't know. I guess hate is a strong word. It's fine. It's just whatever. I'm just annoyed that these guys keep doing this and we have to talk about it. Like – and maybe this is just this generation now. Like, maybe this is what it is, where where players like, you know, they're bored and they're on Twitter all the time. So they just tweet out stuff to kind of not really rile the audience like Lamar claims that he did during all the drama where he's like, I'm just having fun with you trolls, essentially. Just trolling everybody on Twitter. But, like, JK, even if it is kind of just a sensible thing, why? There's There's <laughs> no point in saying any of this. And, like potentially pissing off a fan base that trust me i hear from everybody how jk is great and i think he's good too i think he's a fantastic player when he's on the field but we haven't seen it yet like antonio said and so you know best case scenario he ends up finally emerging in his what fourth season in the national football league becomes a top end running back leaves for free agency because he thinks he's going to get a bunch of money and then becomes zeke elliott who is just posting videos about how he's still grinding, even though nobody wants to sign him, and he'll he'll join a team in August for, you know, one year, six million dollars or whatever it is, because nobody pays running backs anymore. Like you're you're also in a position that doesn't get paid anymore. So why kind of even risk any of that? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. You know, I I, I understand. I don't. I like hearing from athletes. I do. I don't. I'm not like a shut up and play the game person at all. But. Don't pull this stuff and then, you know, months later when it's brought up or he tweets something out like this again, he, he'll just do the whole like, well, you guys misunderstood me. No, we understood you pretty good. You're just kind of – you're being dumb sending stuff like this out. And I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, I knew like post-Lamar getting the contract done, it wasn't going to be entirely smooth sailing – uh, into the offseason, there was going to be inevitably some drama was going to come up, and it is absolutely shocking, not shocking, uh, that it was J.K. Dobbins, because he's been doing this since his rookie year. Remember his agent Him was and his going agent. on Twitter, yep. liking tweets from us about complaining uh, that he wasn't getting the ball more, 
uh, in favor of, I guess, like, what? Mark Ingram, right? And, uh, <laughs> see, so he's been complaining, you know, for four years now. And so when he goes on Twitter and does this, you're just like, okay, man. And I, like you said to him, I agree with most of his points. It sucks that running backs don't get paid. It sucks what he had to go through. But I don't think the Ravens are wrong for, you know, not sprinting to pay him right now, which is clearly, I think, what this is about, his contract. He's a free agent after this season. It's his fourth year. And um, why would you? And why yeah, would you? Yeah, and, and, like, they, they've had to deal with so much injury stuff with running backs in recent years. Like 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 you said, if he, if he balls out, the Ravens might pay him. You know, we're a team that values running backs more than most teams, but it, it just is always something going on with him. And you're just like, all right. Uh, you mentioned the Patrick Queen thing, but even Queen, like, he, he kind of walked back some of uh, his st- the stuff he had sort of said, or um, he made some interesting comments about it, at least to media uh, this past week. But um, yeah, with JK, not a surprise. You know, I feel for him, but it is just like one of those things where. I think that I think you're right, Tim. And that's just this is how it goes. And you know, it, it been you know what six months since he complained about not getting the ball in the playoff game, which he was right for also there. But uh, now this is just the latest of what's been a long a long line of grievances for for Dobbins. And I love watching him, and his numbers are great when he plays. But yeah, I'm, I'm with to Antonio's point. Play a full season to put up 1,500 yards. Someone will someone will give you a contract there. Not, not, uh, you know, it's not like someone's not going to sign him if he has a great year. So I get his frustration. And also it's just, it's kind of annoying and coming from him. It's sort of like a boy who cries wolf situation where if you complain about everything, I think the fans tune you out to some degree. It's a great point. Yeah. JK Dobbins, uh, over two, just as zag against my entire, uh, opening point over two seasons, 226 rushing attempts, which is kind of a, a pretty even number two like the bell cow back of a team in one se- if you combine you know into one season 226 carries 1300 rushing yards 11 touchdowns 5.9 yards a carry as an average would love it over an entire season let's get 17 games uh, of that and even with a crowded backfield with with the gus bus could easily have a 1200 yard season um and then it'd be very fun to watch the Ravens just say, you know, we will see you uh, at another time. Uh, and just, some other team will overpay for a bag. Just real quickly on that, just to emphasize this point. This comes from Jeff Zarebeck's piece kind of talking about Ravens observations and the JK stuff lab. Guys like Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott, and Leonard Fournette are all still on the free agent market looking for money. The bit, like, I the. The best running backs, you know, Jamal Williams got a deal with the New Orleans Saints. And then, like, Miles Sanders went to Carolina from the Philadelphia Eagles. David Montgomery went to Detroit from the Chicago Bears. They got more than $4 million per year on a month. Wait, so they were the only two running backs to get more than $4 million per year on a multi-year deal in this free agency market. Uh, Miles Sanders and David Montgomery there. Austin Eckler, you know, if you play fantasy, probably one of the best running backs in the league and you know, certainly a very, very talented player is asking out of LA because the chargers aren't giving him what he wants. And guess what? He's just still on the chargers. Like they're just, cause nobody's going after that guy. It's, it's, it's a, you know, I, I love when we run the ball three yards in a cloud of dust and win a game 19, seven. If you listen to this podcast, you know that, but the reality of the national football league is, and you know, Lamar 
legitimately like 6,000 yards, and I'm, I'm loving what we're doing already right now. Passing the ball is going to win football games in today's NFL. I think J.K. Dobbins is an incredible player. I hope he plays for the Ravens. You know, I hope he's a stud this year, and somehow they might try and figure something out that is agreeable for both sides, but that's just not how it works. And I think, much like a lot of these guys, even Le'Veon Bell from years ago, he is going to end up being a player who overvalues himself to the point where it is detrimental to his career. If if any of his off-the-field stuff with his oh, – this is a family show um, – a-hole of an agent <laughs> is, is anything to, to go by, he's going to do that to himself, and he's going to hurt himself in the long run, I think. Yeah, I guess my final thought on this is uh, mandatory minicamps open, I believe, next week as we record. Um, and I don't think this is going to turn into anything more than just a guy making no. tweets on a weekend day or Friday afternoon. I don't even remember when this came out. But uh, beyond that, uh, on the off chance he does hold out of mandatory minicamp, then it actually does become a real thing, uh, at least a little bit in terms of it being a contract standoff. Now it probably just ends with him showing up in training camp because that's how contract standoffs usually resolves themselves in the NFL, unless you're the best of the best players. And as we just said, he doesn't play one of those positions that gets paid like that anymore, unfortunately for him. Um, but yeah, so unless he doesn't show up to mini camp, then it may be something to monitor. But if he shows up to mini camp, this was, yeah, it's just a guy being on Twitter and his feelings mostly. <laughs> All right. To the weirdest uh, Ravens news of the last few weeks and it dropped perfectly a couple hours ago before we started recording today on Monday afternoon uh, the Ravens sign wide receiver Laquan Treadwell that's right wide receiver Laquan Treadwell to a one year deal um, alright uh, cool get him in the room let's get some competition brewing between him and James Prochet that's two James Prochet mentions in one 25-minute opening to an episode, so I'm, I'm in summer mode for sure. <laughs> um, Jace, you, you were the first one uh, on this. In fact, you sent, or uh, I, I saw it in the, in the Google Doc and some texts were sent. Why? Why this player? What, why now? What is happening here? That is a fantastic question, Antonio. I don't know that I really have the answers to that other than it's a depth piece because... Uh, yeah, I don't know that Treadwell's uh, six receptions for 42 yards last season. Uh, I'm not sure that's the tape that convinced the Ravens to make the signing. Um, you know, he's a former first-round pick. First-round pick in 2016 with the Vikings. Has not done much in his entire NFL career. His career highs in catches are 35. His career high in yards is 434. His career high in touchdowns is two. Um, you know, these totals, to me... Uh, make him kind of the quintessential Ravens uh, summer free agent signing uh, as we stagger into camp. I don't know if he's just is a camp body, if they're trying to, like, you know, rest Bateman during camp or something. But I, I, the only thing I can he, think is this guy he, must play. Treadwell is the receiver who plays for the Washington game on the <laughs> yeah. field like, to just avoid like, having any players. Oh, my well, gosh. Yeah, like, honestly, like, it's... I don't know. I don't get it. Maybe he plays special teams, in which case, sure. But, yeah, you figure they probably, you know, Tyler Wall's still around, right? So, like, he's he's a gunner, so then, I don't know. I don't know what you do. Justice Hill, I believe, still around, right? Is he finally leaves? So, no, still on the team. Yeah, still so I, I don't really see the fit, even if he is a special teams guy. 
It's kind of baffling. He hasn't done much in several years since he left the Vikings, and he never did much with them. Yeah, it's 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 just adding depth um, to add depth, I think. I, I don't know. There can't be much else to look into it, I, I, I don't think, because, you know, at this point in his career, as, you know, he's not... Treadwell's not old, but he's 27. You kind of figure he is what he is at this point. I don't think they're unearthing uh, a diamond in the rough here, given their development history with wide receivers. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's truly just to kind of have another guy in the room. Yeah, I yeah, same. I mean, if, if he makes the team, you know, week one, I'll be kind of surprised. It, it is, I will say, I, you know, another first-round receiver – you know, not something – obviously a guy that hasn't worked out, but just interesting with the pedigree there, essentially. Uh, you know, I think it's five now with Rashad Bateman, Zay, OBJ, Nelson Aguilar was a first-rounder, and Laquan Treadwell. You know, I'm not expecting anything from this. I think the easy thing to do, and, you know, like we were talking pre-show – the cesspool of Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport's mentions of just, this isn't D-Hop. Where's D-Hop? What the hell's D-Hop? I think there's a larger conversation with DeAndre Hopkins that that guy might be more of a name than we think based on, you know, as somebody who was clamoring for him to come to Baltimore, based on the market and the lack of activity for what DeAndre Hopkins is asking for, might seem like the NFL knows something we don't um, in terms of kind of his trajectory for the rest of his career, what have you. But all that aside, this is camp competition. This is another name to put in there to look at Rashad Bateman, another man who loves tweeting, uh, to look at Devin DuVarnay, to look at your Tylen Wallaces and your James Prochets of like, you know, for those two especially, put up or shut up time. And then for your Rashad Batemans and Devin DuVarnays, like, look, we could be in the middle of the season, and it, there's a very real chance Rashad Bateman is wide receiver three on this team. If Zay Flowers shows up, if, if OBJ is what everybody thinks he's going to be, I'm a bit more skeptical on that, but that's something we'll talk about as we get closer to the season. Um, you know, hell, if Devin DuVarnay just, you know, kicks butt, Bateman could even be a four. I'm not saying that's going to – I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, who knows. I, I, it's, it's competition. Competition's a good thing. It's good to have more bodies than less, especially as a team that has, you know, had the Ravens history with with uh, with wide receivers. So it's fine. It's whatever. I, you know, it, I, if we're talking about Laquan Treadwell in late August, I will be surprised. <laughs> I I do think just one final thought I have on it is uh, you kind of mentioned it, Tim. I I think Ravens Twitter's. Uh, continued draw which surprises me in the wake of drafting zay flowers but the ravens continued uh ravens twitter i should say is continued push to get deandre hopkins to baltimore i think is what uh makes this this signing in particular stand out i think if that whole if hopkins wasn't out there i feel like this transaction would come and go and no one would think twice but i do think you have a significant subsection like you kind of mentioned who says Laquan Treadwell, but not DeAndre Hopkins on a one-year deal. And it's like, well, they're probably paying Laquan Treadwell literal league minimum to come in for whatever whatever amount of time he, you know, he's going to be on the team. So I think if that that kind of – and I think we'll talk, talk about more about Hopkins in just a moment. But I think with him looming out there, I think it kind of colors uh, some of what people, especially on Raven's Twitter, who have been wild, 
insane, some would say, about the Hopkins thing. Uh, I think it probably colors the perception of that a little bit. My favorite, I mean, this is a bit cynical, but my favorite angle of this is uh, the Nelson Aguilar perspective. He's the first guy brought into the thinnest wide receiver room in the NFL, and I can just imagine him viewing it as, like, here we go. Here's my opportunity. All the balls <laughs> in the world. <laughs> so many, so many targets coming my way this year, and this is where I jump. You know, I leap, leap in uh, the sort of stratosphere of what kind of wide receiver I can be. And then they add the Ravens, uh, a Pro Bowler, a first round draft pick, and then also another kid body, uh, as Tim mentioned in the wide receiver room. And now Aguilar's got to fight for. Uh, <laughs> Fight to play. He's not going to start, but fight to play. Fight to be the number three, number four. Um, but such is life, uh, man, in the NFL. Uh, okay, the last small uh, tidbit of news out of Ravens land is uh, kind of a fun one. Tony Jefferson officially retiring from the NFL and then also officially being hired by the Ravens as a scout. This is a, a fascinating thing to me just because Tony Jefferson should be an Arizona Cardinal. Like, that should be his, like, background as a player. Was drafted by them, played four years in Arizona, then came to Baltimore and played, let's call it three and a half seasons with the Ravens. But that's been his, like, backbone very clearly, even when he was a free agent um, a couple of different times and now retiring and then just immediately going back to Baltimore and getting back into the organization. Obvious love there, obvious respect between him and the organization, and it's kind of fun to get Tony Jefferson back in the building uh, and at, like, step one, usually, of uh, a second career in in the NFL as a scout then maybe a coach and then, you know, see how how it goes from there. So a fun addition for Tony Jefferson. And it's part of the reason that this Ravens organization, you know, I, for me, and I'm not going to speak for the two of you, but for me, this is one of the reasons I love this team so much is, you know, I'm not going to be like class and whatever, but it kind of is like, you know, Anquan Bolden wanted to retire a Raven. I mean, he won a Super Bowl here, so that helps. But like another guy, Cardinal, Steve Smith was here for like a cup of coffee and still, I think, you know, obviously connections to Carolina, but that didn't end great. And he like is beloved in Baltimore and I... There's there's so many stories of guys like that. The Antonio nailed it, where it's like he should be this, but he loved being in Baltimore so much, and there's that family kind of dynamic thing, which I think is really cool. It also just brought uh, reminded me of one of the better tweets in Ravens history, and this comes from August 2022, August 11th, 2022. If you don't remember this story, uh, this is from Tony Jefferson. I can't even lie. I stopped wearing my glasses years ago, and that might have been the dumbest thing I've done. I can see so much clearer and further with my glasses. It's wild. There was a whole thing. <laughs> Tony Jefferson. Pro or maybe maybe Pro Bowl? I can't remember. Very, very good safety in the National Football League with the Cardinals and Ravens for a, ver- for a time. Just stopped wearing his glasses and then went, oh, wait, I can see better with my glasses. Uh, this guy was playing, you know, High caliber defense at an NFL level and couldn't see as a safety. The man who's supposed to see everything about the play develop in front of him and react in an instant couldn't see because he wasn't wearing glasses or contacts. Um, it just somebody brought that back up when this news surfaced, and I just that's always a fun story to to recirculate. It, it is interesting to me the 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 guys that the Ravens, at, especially in the Harbaugh era more specifically, just 
Harbaugh falls in love with. And it is like always these guys you don't expect, like a like guy like Tony Jefferson, you know, we've talked about like Brent Urban's been on the team, what, two or three times now. Michael Pierce is back. Like Harbaugh definitely has his guys. And Tony Jefferson, I think is undeniably one of his guys. He had what should have probably effectively been a career ending injury or was very close to it. But you know, when the Ravens DB room got devastated by injuries and COVID in 2021, they bring Tony back after, you know, a year and a half away from football. Um, and he, he has another two seasons. He, you know, he plays nine games for the Giants last year, kind of walks from the, away from the game. You know, he's, he's 31 years old. So um, he's our age. And uh, he, he he's, but he's talked a lot about wanting to be a GM and stuff. So it's cool for him. I think that, you know, maybe your career because of injury didn't quite, fully pan out the way you expected he, he still had a great career that being said but now he's definitely entering into that second phase and you know if you want to if you want to be a gm yeah the, the path starts at scout um so uh hopefully you know maybe one day tony jefferson will be a gm and it's kind of cool um but the ravens are giving him a shot and like you know they do bring him back a ton of former players and assistant roles and stuff and it's usually these role guys more than like you know the big time stars uh, that kind of end up in sort of these positions. You're Anthony Weavers, if you will, those kind of guys that seem to find their way back. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm excited for him. It's always cool. I think guys, you know, taking the next step because football's so brutal and, you know, he's so young still. Um, to get a chance to do something else in the game, I think is pretty cool. So I always like Tony Jefferson. kind of stinks how his career was derailed. So I'm happy for him for sure. Chase just dropping in that he's our age, just to really, really hit home. Guy, guy had like a full career in the NFL and is now so looking annoyed. to. So he's our age. He just, just yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay, so that's it from from Baltimore. Um, we're gonna play the uh, our old trivia game here. Chase is up, and then we're gonna turn to a little bit of NFL news in a minute. But Chase, uh, you are uh, you are up this week in our uh, trivia game of. You know, buzzing in when you're ready. Jace has nine points in this game through five rounds. Tim has two points, uh, and I made headlines a couple weeks ago, and I got my first point. So, uh, good news is Jace can't play while also hosting. So, Jace, you are you are up. Who do you have this week? So, clue number one of guess this player. Um, this player had seven catches, 145 yards, and was targeted three other times on plays that drew pass interference penalties in a 30-27 comeback win by the Ravens. Do we have any guesses at one clue? I mean... I do, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> here's, be, my, though. <laughs> here's my big contention with this game of, like, the risk, where I would love to throw out a name right now, but I don't, I don't want to just give Antonio four clues to get points, so... I mean, it would be hilarious. It, I'm, this is not my guess. It would be hilarious if it was just Pat Ricard. Like, seven catches, three pass interferences, because Greg Roman uh, loved having a fullback on the field. God love you, Pat. He's in my background here. Um, no, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. Chase, this is in one game, correct? Not in an entire career <laughs> yeah. like James Prochet? Yes. I mean, you do have to clarify that, to be uh, fair. Yes, this is a single game. This is a single game performance by a Baltimore uh, Ravens player. Okay. Um, yeah, right. yeah, I mean, so I, just... I, I'm pretty sure, but okay. Okay, clue number two. This player's 145 yards tied for the most he ever had in a game in three seasons with the Ravens. So that's any Raven wide receiver. Like any of them. Shall I continue that? Oh, God, I'd love a year, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Perhaps more interesting, this player's performance came against the team that drafted him in 2003. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Do you want me to Can finish I... the clue? Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Finish the clue. I just No, no. In, cause... Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. All right, fine. I <laughs> no, won't. I'm just kidding. It's all right. It's all right. It Is was... this... Did I did... Don't finish it. Don't finish it. Don't okay. finish it. Because you're right. If I dig in early, that's, yeah, that makes that sense. If be. I dig in early to beat Antonio, I shouldn't get the rest of the clue. Is this the Ice Up Hun game from Steve Smith? It is not Steve Smith. Ah! Chase, can you reread? Oh, actually, I guess, do I get to hear the whole? Yeah, you get to yeah, hear the If you again. want the rest okay. of the clue three, perhaps more interesting, this player's performance, which again is 145 yards, seven catches, came against the team that drafted him in 2003. It was the only team he'd played for before he was traded to the Ravens. Then I'm going to just dive in here. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Anquan Bolden. This is Anquan So Strong Bolden. He, uh, you know, I have the rest of my clues here, which uh, kind of laid it out. That team is the Arizona Cardinals. The game against the Cardinals, August 30th, 2011. A 30-27 comeback victory where the Ravens went down big in the first half. One of the biggest, I believe, I didn't have time to look this up or I forgot to. Um, at the time, it was, I believe, one of the biggest comebacks in Ravens history it's probably been I think it's was surpassed by that Colts game um from a few years ago uh but yeah big time comeback and Bolden just took over especially in the second half uh of that game I realized after putting this game together the two weeks I've had this have both been games from the 2011 season if you can see (laughs) a trend of when perhaps I was the most invested in my life in the Ravens one of my favorite seasons (laughs) of Ravens history uh but um the team that got away yeah it's oh, uh, there were so God. many fun moments in that season that i you just don't think about how it ended and you, it's all good uh, <laughs> zero zero memory of this game by the really way. this one really stood out big comeback it was a big comeback bolden took over like it was like the most dominant it was like truly for me i know we talked i believe was it you, Antonio, who had Marcus Robinson's four-touchdown game? Yeah, <laughs> aside, it was. Aside it was, from yes. that, it was, like, one of the most dominant I feel like I ever had seen, like, a Ravens receiver in one game. He was he was just really good. It, it was fun. I suggest that's a good YouTube watch if you're looking Maybe for something. Maybe I'll, uh, yeah, I'll go back and look. Um, and, and it was, yeah, it was. It fascinated me. It was the most yards he ever had uh, for the Ravens. It was his first game, I believe, against the Cardinals. So, uh, yeah. That was fascinating. <laughs> it's weird that Crazy. the Ice Up Hun game I have more memory of, maybe just because of the quote and what have you. But d- also, do you guys remember when the Ravens traded Anquan Bolden for a sixth-round draft pick? <laughs> that was super fun. Remember, well, remember when that happened? And then li- literally we all just like kind of the, – the, the three people I know that are probably obsessed with the Ravens the most outside of a few other candidates in my friend group probably, you know – in, in the top upper echelon, and we just stopped paying attention to the Baltimore Ravens because they became so mediocre because they started doing things like trading Anquan Bolden for a sixth round. <sighs> positivity. Positivity. This is offseason of positivity. We don't need to, don't need to go into it anymore. The, the one thing I will say, Tim, that the, the Ice Up uh, Sun game has is I believe Steve scored multiple touchdowns, and this was a, a classic game where uh, the Ravens kept getting pass interference penalties down near the goal line. Uh, Bolden had big catches, but Ray Rice had three touchdowns on the day, uh, all from yeah, one yard out, like basically yeah. one yard out. So, uh, of course uh, did. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, I think perhaps is p- part of the reason it might have uh, 
uh, not be a, as memorable. But yeah, Ray Rice, three one-yard touchdown runs. Well, two one-yard touchdown runs, runs one three-yard run. But Anquan Bolden, the star of that game, I suggest you watch because it's a fun one. <laughs> I'm putting it. I'm putting it in my queue right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll get that later. I was nervous I was when you brought find... up Anquan Bolton. <laughs> Oh, yeah. A few I was minutes find, ago. <laughs> I was trying to find who the Ravens ended up drafting with that, you know, selection of uh, yeah. trading Bolden away. But I would, maybe it's best that I don't look it up. Wild that he was drafted in 2003. I would not have, I would have said later. But I think that's also just like being afraid to be old kind of thing. <laughs> well, Steve was Smith was 2000, Steve Smith was 2001. So that makes you feel bad. And real quickly, just on this, I know we don't need to go too long. I just typed in Ravens Cardinals 2011. The first one is a two and a half hour video, which I guess is just the entire game. If you want to watch it from an account called Bart Simpson. And here's part of the video description. The last time Baltimore hosted Arizona, Kevin Cobb and the one in five Arizona Cardinals hope to snap a five game losing streak as they take on Ray Lewis and the Ravens. That was a team that we had to come back against in a thrilling victory. The 1 in 5 Kevin Cobb led Cardinals. Yeah, the Ravens, I have the box score up. We're down 24 to 3 with 3:46 to go in the fir- first half of this game. <laughs> so, yeah, that was some classic Flacco era. I believe there were some picks. Uh I remember Patrick Peters. Yeah, Patrick Peterson had a punt return. Uh just all good things uh going on in this game. But they came back. So I found the I found the draft. Oh, Unfortunately, I'm not positive which player. Well, so it was a the 2013 draft. The Ravens made two selections in the sixth round. Uh, what? One was Capron Lewis Moore. I don't know yeah. who that is. Notre Dame. And, and then the other one was Ryan Jensen, which actually ended up being a starter. Yep. And you know, not really he, for he us. He got though. paid. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, but I wonder which one of these two players it actually was. But either so, way, would have uh, rather had Anquan Bolden. Yeah. <laughs> it's even worse, Antonio. I believe we did some moving and shaking with six-round picks that year because cor- uh, I, fa- I pulled it up on his uh, on Anquan Bolden's pro football reference page. It, uh, it says it was the 199th overall pick, which was the pick Tom Brady was, uh, but subsequently traded for some man named Theo Riddick, who I don't really remember. Oh, I remember Theo Riddick too. Yeah. The running back who was just not very good. Yeah, weird. Played for Detroit forever. Detroit. Like. Yeah, played for Detroit um, for a little bit. So Capron Lewis Moore was a classic defensive tackle, defensive uh, front seven guy, much like David Ajabo. That they drafted. Be, they drafted late because he got hurt. He like tore his ACL in his final year, and they were like, "But, but the upside. How many Ravens? Like, how many of those players have we drafted? It's like, what a pick. The guy, guy can't stay on the field, but the upside." So yeah, never and never really worked out. <laughs> I don't know why I know that. That's disgusting. Uh, to me. I like that, uh, guys. Arthur Brown is going to turn things around any day oh, now don't, for the Ravens. Don't, Just wait. Just don't. wait. He's such a good linebacker. You you want some awful news? This this uh, sixth round pick we traded uh, uh, for Anquan Bolden, we used as a trade um, with the Seahawks to move up to take Arthur Brown. <laughs> there you go. Oh my well done, well done, us. Yeah, it gets dark when you get really down into the nitty gritty of what these picks end up being. My the, biggest the... miss of all time, Arthur Brown. My we biggest. So, like, I remember being so excited we drafted. I him. was so excited. <laughs> the next so excited. Ray Lewis's replacement. 
Oh my gosh. Okay, that's the, enough. We got to walk away. From we, this this is how these episodes turn into an hour and a half when there's nothing to talk about. We have to move on from Arthur Brown. Oh, Arthur Brown. We, oh, he we can't relitigate the Arthur burst. Brown pick. <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, I'm going to take the points. I'm thrilled. I have four points. Jace, watch out. I'm coming for <laughs> so you. Annoyed. Give me six months. Uh, okay. NFL news. Not a ton to talk about, but we've teased it a little bit in the Ravens section, and it's worth bringing up again to do a little bit more of a dive. It's the DeAndre Hopkins news. It's weird. Uh, kind of publicly being shopped by the Arizona Cardinals, looking for a trade partner. Doesn't happen, and the Cardinals eventually release him. Um, lot of buzz, lot of rumors to the Ravens, but the rumors are mostly like, what is it, Dove Kleiman, or like just random Raven accounts. Those are the only people actually saying that you know, he could still get signed by Baltimore. Where are we at with this now? I mean, I, w- I was going to pose this question before we signed, you know, another first-round caliber wide receiver in Laquan Treadwell, but where are we with wanting this type of a player? I- is he still the type of a player that we think he is? Could he still fit on the Ravens? Do we- Would this be a disaster of personalities? And the quote that I think we said on the last episode... There's only one ball. Like it's, it'd be impossible to keep all of the various personalities happy on this offense at this point. I, if I'm, we get him at a cheap deal, to just the last thing, because you mentioned this earlier, he's not going to get a fifteen million dollar a year contract. That's just that's not what the reality is at this point for him. So can the Ravens get him at a cheaper price? And then, oh my goodness, look at the talent, look at the depth. If players get hurt. What is the situation here for the Ravens looking at this pragmatically if they can try to make a move here? I tend to the the personality thing, I, you know, I think it is kind of an old adage as to why the Ravens have never really gotten the receiver thing right. One, because they can't draft them, and two, like they don't like those quote unquote divas in the room, and the one position that has the most of them is the wide receiver position for year, and that's probably dulled a little bit, but you know. The, the heyday of Randy Moss and T.O. and, like, the one we grew up with it was always like, well, those guys, it's like, oh, they're really talented, but they could really, you know, damage your locker room or whatever. You know, Randy Moss is the fantastic second-best receiver of all time. T.O. was incredible as well. Um, we almost got T.O. That was a whole other thing. He didn't want Kyle Bowler throwing him passes. Super fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I tend to... It's weird. I kind of sit on the fence on the whole only one ball thing and, and like the personality thing because I think there would clearly be some frustration, some Rashad Bateman subtweeting if he didn't, you know, if he averaged four catches over four games to start the year or whatever because you got Zay Flowers, D-Hop, and Odell Beckham Jr. I tend to lean into like the, hey, if you can get him on the cheap deal, which it kind of seems like he's either going to hold out for somebody to, to bite but if he wants to go to a contender, you know, it's already been said, Chiefs can't really afford what he wants. Bills can't afford what he wants. The Ravens can't afford what he wants. Like, you want to go back to Houston and play with C.J. Stroud? Sure, they got the money, but you're not going to win anything there. That's fine. Um, for a team that has never had wide receiver depth and for a team that has faced injury concerns for the last couple of years, I'm kind of cool with bringing him in if the if the money is right and risking the quote-unquote personality thing 
My only, my only hesitation on that is not even Rashad Bateman. It's the development of, of Zay Flowers. Um, I think that you got to give that kid the best chance to succeed. I think there's a re look. We can all, you know, read the tea leaves here, as Antonio mentioned earlier. There is a significant percentage of the reason they drafted the South Florida wide receiver in the first round was to appease their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. That's just I they could they could tell me to their blue in their face that's not the reason and I wouldn't believe them. Uh, but at the same time, that's not the whole percentage of why they did it. They clearly value his talent. We all clearly value his talent. The the guy is for as diminutive as he is, he is a go-getter with the ball. He's explosive. He's kind of the guy you want there. And I still think they have and I still think they have and should have high faith in Rashad Bateman. I got another J.K. Dobbins like. When he's on the field, he's awesome. It's just staying on the field. If he can do that in his third season, I think that trio right there with OBJ with whatever he is coming off the injury is pretty dynamic. But, like, that's three wide receivers and Mark Andrews and J.K. Dobbins, right? That all looks good on paper. But how many times have we said with this team it all looks good on paper and then somebody sprains an ankle and Laquan Treadwell is playing 50% of the snaps? Like, if you can go get D-Hop at a price, go get D-Hop at, at, you know, a reasonable price. I think it, it is a lot more of, one, the price, as of right now, is still high. It's still too high. They can't afford it. And two... And I've seen some stuff. I know I think it was Randy Mueller, former GM, uh, now writes for The Athletic and stuff, does a lot of like scouting stuff, was writing about this as well. Of It could be more of a D-Hop is much more of a name than a player. And all of us, the, the dumb fans, you know, and I'll loop both of you into that category, no offense, we don't really see that because we still see D-Hop as DeAndre Hopkins. And I think some of the scouting all 22 all the time the guys who get paid the big bucks to do this type of people eric DaCosta and his head scouts you know his pro scouts and what have you are looking at this like the the juice is not worth the squeeze uh for a guy like deandre hopkins so and i that's kind of what it seems like has happened i I assumed as soon as he went uh went on the market somebody was going to scoop him up it was going to be a chiefs and i was like oh my god of course the chiefs did and now him and like Kadarius Tony are just going to light people up because Patrick Mahomes. That hasn't happened. And that, you know, you kind of got to read the situation and play it as it lies, essentially, of there's clearly something wrong here. And I think it's a combination of price and the guy just might not be the guy. All that being said, and this is how you can tell I'm going back and forth on this completely because I still don't necessarily know where my mind is at, at the moment. I still think... If you can get him on a on a deal that he's willing to accept, you go get him. Because I think there's uncertainty around too many guys in this Ravens have so many dudes now category. I still still the only dude that I don't have any questions about, none, zero, is the man who said Lamar's balls are awesome, and that's Mark Andrews. Everybody else has questions. Uh, you know, OBJ coming off an injury. Zay, rookie, Bateman. Hasn't proven it yet, coming off an injury as well. The rest of the depth chart. I don't even have to talk about it. You know. So, yeah, if you can get a guy like that, add another weapon, add another piece. But the fact that it hasn't been done yet by any team should tell us something. Yeah, after last season especially, I am, like, just never in a position where I'm going to be comfortable, I think, saying the Ravens wide receiver room is in good shape. And I I think uh, certainly if you have the chance to add Hopkins, 
I, I like I get people's arguments about wanting to like for development like the Ravens don't draft and develop receivers and there is an argument well they can't develop if you just keep bringing in outside free agents I see that argument but I, I think you can you, like I, I think the counterpoint is the Ravens are just awful at developing for one reason or another yeah so. I'm, I'm jumping in Jace I don't buy that because this excuse drives me insane top wide receivers pop off the page four games into their career it is obvious when teams have drafted top talented wide receivers and they're good immediately and it's because they just have it like it is not you don't like teach them how to catch the football in the nfl that drives me insane they're just bad at it that's it they're bad at the player selection you cannot tell me that justin jefferson would be worse if the Vikings had, like, veteran wide receivers in front of him for the first two years. I don't buy it. Year three, he would come in and start and be amazed. Maybe be even better because he'd be fresh after two years. That drives me insane. And I'm yelling at you, Jace, but you're just you're, – you're the messenger in this case. But I'm a proxy. I hate it. it drives me insane. <laughs> it's okay that the Ravens are just bad at picking the players for the position. You Get out of here with the, like, oh, you know, they don't have enough reps in games. Like, No. No, they were never very good. They were injury prone, whatever it is. That's it. Please continue. Yeah, well, I guess for me, I, yeah, I just don't trust the, the picks. <laughs> um, so, like, with an established guy like Hopkins, who I agree with you, Tim, he's 30 now. It's always, you know, scary number for football players. Uh, and the last two seasons, injuries, suspension, P, a PED suspension, um, you know, he he misses time now he still was pretty much just as productive as he's always been when he was on the field but the thing with the beginning of the whole start of his career up until the last two years he was always on the field but he he you know he hasn't played more than 10 games and he hasn't had more than a 725 yards each of the last two seasons now that would still be a huge improvement uh to have someone get 725 yards when he plays for the ravens so that's why i'd be in favor of it now, we, this is where we do all say, realistically, the money's just never going to work, I don't think. Uh, the Ravens have around $12 million in cap space, a little more than that. Uh, obviously, Hopkins wants a lot. Apparently, uh, Albert Breer, per, like reading Jeff Zarebik's thing recently, Albert Breer had reported that uh, when the Ravens signed OBJ, it quote-unquote blew up whatever deal the Chiefs were working on to get Hopkins. So clearly, Hopkins wants a decent amount of money. I don't think... The Ravens need it. And I will just say, realistically, while I, I'm in favor of just adding talent to the room because I think it just raises the floor, which obviously we saw how low the floor could get last year uh, for the Ravens, adding a guy like Hopkins inevitably raises, I think, raises the ceiling and the floor of the team, frankly. But uh, at present, even though I said all that, I actually think pass rusher is a bigger concern. I think you just have to ticket money for pass rush, for, frankly, maybe even more veteran deep, uh, defensive back help. Um, I, I just think it takes Hopkins. It's just not It's just not going to happen. And I don't know. I don't know if the Treadwell signing today is going to wake people up to the fact that the Ravens' room is basically what the room is, even though I agree with you, Tim. I have concerns. I, the more we get closer, I'm like, is Beckham going to be good at all? This could just go real sideways yeah. in a hurry. Um but that being said, I am more conf- certainly more confident in the room than I was at this time last year, I would say, um, when it was hopefully Bateman stays healthy, and then that didn't happen. So I like their plan more. 
And while it would be great and a luxury to add Hopkins, I just think they need to just focus on other areas, uh, frankly, um, especially on the defensive front and defense backfield. Yeah. Jay, I, yeah. Jason, I think you nailed it there at the end. I think that's the, maybe the most important aspect of this. You try to make every position group as talented and as deep as you can. Uh, and they've already put the investment in the wide receiver room, and they have a little bit of space left uh, at other groups and not that much money to go around. And that $12 million, I don't believe Flowers is not signed yet. So I, no, I assume that some of that of has that, to come yeah. out. Yeah. <sighs> it'll be fine it'll be <laughs> fine it's june i am curious as as to the timing of when hopkins does get signed because the summer gets quiet quick uh and we could be in july and it's the same situation he's still available still available and in theory the price should go down you know every week every two weeks that he's not signed um but this is the ravens we're talking about they've already put the investment in the you know, quote, whatever. He's not a diva anymore now that he's on the Ravens, but quote-unquote diva wide receiver. They've already done it once. Would they really do it twice in one off season? Uh Now that Lamar is signed, they don't have to, you know, necessarily make every decision uh, around his around his mood. Um, <laughs> okay, so there's one more thing to talk about, and it's, uh, it's a surprise topic because why not? Uh, I did not tell the co-hosts about this one, and it's not, it's not a gotcha, it's not a trick, but I thought of it late. Uh, as we were preparing, and I kind of wanted to get their opinions a bit more off the cuff, as opposed to researched and you know and measured and all that. Um, measured. Yeah, we we don't need we don't need to measure anything uh, on, on this podcast. Family show. And it is about gambling in the NFL. Uh, Tim brought it up uh, briefly earlier in the pod, but uh, the NFL is investigating a Colts player for possible betting um apparently it was well i'm trying to get the exact quote pervasive there it is it was pervasive betting uh on the nfl uh and very likely on his own team we don't know who the player is yet sounds like a lot of people i know with pervasive nfl (laughs) betting but we're now into you know, it was a small thing that is now growing, mushrooming into a giant problem. Calvin Ridley was the first big name uh, for this, and he was suspended for all of 2022. Then this past April, we had five players suspended, um, including four from the Detroit Lions. And now this story today uh, about this Colts player, who we'll, we will find out who it is. It This is... a. It's a disaster waiting to continue to explode. The NFL and other pro sports leagues were uh, essentially touching gambling with kid gloves, with the 10-foot pole, whatever you want to say. They were terrified of talking about it, terrified of acknowledging it. Then it got legalized in a lot of states, and is now there, there's official partnerships between uh, gambling sites and the NFL and all that thing. However, the rules are still just as strict for the players as they have been forever. This is the third story in a year and a half, let's say. I will predict (laughs) that over the next 12 months, there are another half dozen instances of this happening again. And I'm going to ask you guys your take on this, because it's well-timed to the, the episode with this Colts thing coming out. But 
what is the answer here? I mean, it's almost, it's becoming, the sports gambling is becoming so legalized, so common. You turn on an NFL game, how many ads are you going to see in a five-minute stretch for this? And yet the players are held to these very tight, very difficult standards when they are themselves at the stadium inundated with images of gambling, with things about you watch a game and they show you live odds of the game as it's happening. It's It seems like an impossible situation for the league to deal with between the players having to ignore it completely while also it being ingrained in the second-by-second, play-by-play reality of the business of the NFL. So what is the league to do? What is a player to do? I'm just curious to get your guys' thoughts on this cold uh, about how this is going to move forward, uh, what players can do, what the league can do, because it feels like a very large problem that is going to continue. Just to, you know, as we're live recording, I'm looking at Twitter right now, just like 16 seconds ago, just tweeted from Adam Schefter, uh, the NFL is probing Colts cornerback Isaiah Rogers for possible betting. So that looks like it was probably the name of the of the player uh, who is being investigated here. It's a good question, Antonio. I don't think there's an easy, straight-up answer. But the, the simplest thing I can say is that I think the NFL needs to have clear guidelines that are clearly um, – that are transparent, I guess, is is the word – for both the players and and the fans. I think the fans should know what the policy is coming from the NFL to its players. I don't necessarily agree that that policy should be you guys can't bet on anything ever. But if that is the policy, the players need to abide by that. As wrong as that is. I think it's just it's it's plain and simple. I think you know, my own personal opinion on it is that and I and you can get back at me with how do you legislate this how do you how do you enforce this whatever and and I I, frankly I probably wouldn't have an answer for you I don't think NFL players should be allowed to bet on NFL games I don't care if they're participating in it I don't care if it's you know the other conference or or a division rival or a playoff game and you're not in the playoffs like I, I just think that if you're employed by the National Football League and you are privy to information that whether you have access to it or not, the fact that you are employed by the National Football League and a team in the National Football League, you are privy to information that other that the gambling public is not privy to that gives you an advantage that you should not be able to take advantage of uh, in gambling. You should not be able to do it. Obviously not games that you're participating in, clearly. You know, even if it's like, well, I was betting on our team to win, so I'd try hard. Like, no, no, you can't. That's just a line that you cannot cross. I also think that these guys shouldn't be gambling in the facility. A lot of these, a lot of the guys, what has happened is these guys pull up, you know, FanDuel or whichever app, DraftKings, whichever one it is, while they're in the team facility and making bets on basketball games and what have you. I understand these guys, you know, and, and... it's hard not to come down on the player's side with stuff like this, where it's like, well, these gambling companies are making tons of money. The owners are making tons of money. The, the, you know, most players are doing okay. They're making their money as well, but obviously not in the same stratosphere as some of these bigger. And so, so it's easy to come down on the player's side and be like, well, they should be allowed to do that. Come on. Like give the players a cut. If they're just gambling on basketball or whatever in the facility, I think that's another line where you just, 
because you have the privilege of playing in the National Football League, it's going to come with certain restrictions that other, the common folk, myself, Jace, Antonio, are not going to be something we don't have to deal with. Um, that, you know, I, I could gambling at, at your work or whatever it is, I guess, in a way. So I think for me personally, there's going to be a lot more of this. The NFL is going to take way too long to try and figure it out because they're never going to deny the money that's coming in with, with partnering with these gambling companies. Um, we know that's how this is going to go. We're all going to, it's the same thing with any issue that comes up with the national football league. Like as cynical as it is to say, we're all going to still watch. It's absolutely going to happen. For me, I think, again, there needs to be a clear policy that's laid out and that, that we are privy to as well, that, that we kind of understand what the situation is. Just so when these stories come down, we're not you know twisting in the wind, basically, trying to figure out what the hell happened and why my guy got suspended for this and what have you. And two, I do believe these guys should be allowed to gamble on other sports of uh, Baseball, basketball. I, I know you can make the argument, well, oh, you just said privy to information. What if they're best friends with LeBron James? And da, da, da. I just think that, you know, at that point, good on you that you made the connection, I guess. I'm not sure. And, and I don't know why I can block that one out in my mind and the football one, you know, is, is stricter for me. You know, I don't have an argument against that. But it's, it's, a, it's a clear policy. The guys cannot be doing it in the facility, at the stadium, what have you. Do it in your own time. And I, I do think they should be allowed to bet on other sports that aren't, aren't the National Football League. Maybe not even college football, but, you know, I think that that even opens up a wider conversation. But, yeah, I mean, Antonio, it's, it is a difficult, it's a difficult thing that, you know, just off the rip, that's kind of where I stand. It's, it's one of those things where, Tim, I, I definitely agree. It's, it's, like, not fair, but it's just, like, you just can't do it. It's, like, it's the rules. Right, like, right. And, and, yeah, it's, like, you it's, it's, it's corny to bring up the idea of the integrity of the game. But, like, it is actually important, uh, you know, if you want fans to pay hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for the things you're selling them, uh, that they think they're invested in something that, like, you know, isn't stage <laughs> uh, basically uh, I, I would say is sort of what you're selling as a sports league is unscripted live entertainment. Right. And um, so, yeah, you just can't have it. And, and it seems like certainly the NFL is clearly must be lagging behind the other leagues in terms of like making their players aware of the policies or, or getting it across to them. Because it doesn't seem like we've had the problems that, like, these pop up really yet in baseball and hockey and basketball. Maybe they're just, you know, those leagues might just be turning <laughs> turning their eyes more than the NFL is. Uh, but, uh, you know, I can't speak to that, certainly. But um, I think part of it's probably, you know, NFL, you got bigger rosters, you know, as much money. The NFL is the, most, the richest league, but, it, you know it's players make on average kind of like the least amount of money per player um, of any of the leagues. So you have guys not making like a ton, a ton of money. You see an opportunity to make more money via gambling. I think certainly if you win. <laughs> um, and uh, so I think that, that it might be like a byproduct of that. Just the larger rosters, they're not getting the attention or their message because of the larger rosters isn't getting through. Cause you have people coming in and out of the team, you know, ten, like these shorter contracts guys, just kind of come come in bounce to another practice squad all that kind of stuff um and it can get guys in trouble i think it seems to at least to be what's happening so far in the nfl and 
you know, I, I was thinking, Antonio, you're like, it would be naive. To, like, clearly players have always been gambling on the NFL, I would say. Active NFL players, certainly. But, like, the prolifer- proliferation of these apps just make it so much more accessible now, certainly. And I, that certainly seems to be how people are getting in trouble because before you had to be a real sort of DJ Noah bookie get <laughs> get know someone who knew someone in Vegas all that kind of stuff and uh and yeah like Tim said players got popped for it you know hall of famers Alex Karras and Paul Horning got suspended for a season back in the 60s for gambling it's it's been a problem in the NFL for a long time um so it's like naive to think people haven't been gambling but now it is just so much so much more accessible um that, yeah, if you're not making your policies clear to players and, like, reinforcing, like, this has real consequences, don't do this, um, this is just going to happen more. And it is weird that it hasn't seemed to happen in other leagues, and I don't, yeah, I just don't know if that's a byproduct of the way the NFL operates, where the NFL is so all-consuming um, and, and stuff like that, but uh, it, it's fascinating, and, yeah, I, I assume it's more and more states are going to approve gambling, it seems like, so I don't see it going away. Unless there's just more sort of education or not even education, just like reinforcing what, because they're supposedly they're told about this. It's like the league takes it very seriously, but clearly the players aren't being communicated how seriously the league takes it. It seems like by their teams. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the first big instance of this being Calvin Ridley was a starter, (laughs) you know, starting wide receiver on a team suspended, what I think at the time was indefinitely, and then ended up being the entire 2022 season. Alarm bells could have, should have been going off for players around the league, and then it happened again with a whole group of players that, you know, they they had this announced with all of the players together. I would doubt they were all doing this at the exact same day. Like, this was probably things, you know, they it, data they had gathered over a period of months that they then pulled together into one uh, announcement, but... There were some smaller name players. A lot of those players were, well, I should say half of those players were uh, released. So I'm looking through the list of players from the Lions. Was Quintez, Cephas, uh, CJ Moore. Then from the Commanders was Shaka Tony. Um, and then the Lions' Stanley Berryhill also was suspended for betting on non-NFL games in the facility. Cephas, Moore, Berryhill released. So it was kind of like a smaller wave because it wasn't the most well-known players. Jamison Williams known, but just a six-game suspension for betting on non-NFL games. Does it have to be uh, like a starting quarterback, you know, that, to where it, this really comes to a head of like, what are what is going on? What are we doing <laughs> here in terms of a league running parallel to unbelievably strict rules correctly i agree with the two of you correctly um to maintain sort of this competitive balance to the league and this belief of it being about the sport and the game and you know scoring more points in the opposition and it not becoming wrestling uh, in the next (laughs) five to ten years basically but it's complicated it is very complicated i can understand a lion's seventh string wide receiver sitting in the facility betting on, you know, his favorite cricket team over over in India, for example, you know, later that later that same day and then that becomes half of your career season is now suspended. Like it's difficult. Um but I wanted to bring it up based on this uh news out of Indianapolis. So we will see uh 
how they work around this, how they try to enact this, or as, as you've both mentioned, how they force this, these rules on the players, this awareness on the players, that first of all, their phones are tracked all the time, everywhere. You cannot hide this digitally, so... Um, but yeah, we'll see. It's, yeah, it's certainly that, one, one of the challenges, one of the list of challenges that the NFL has as, from a PR perspective these days. Yeah, for the players, uh, the NFL being partners with these companies as well gives them very good access to what these companies are doing. So the, the NFL knows what you're up to, uh, We should, if players think otherwise. Yeah, uh, that's it for me, guys. Anything else uh, as we close up here? Yeah, let's just end on a really sad note. Uh, after talking about Arthur Brown, I pulled up the Wikipedia page. With the 56 overall selection, the Ravens selected Arthur Brown, linebacker out of Kansas State. Just uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven selections later, with the 63rd pick, the Kansas City Chiefs selected Travis Kelsey. Oh uh, just right there. And then just a couple more picks later, the 69th pick, nice, 13 picks later, uh, the Arizona Cardinals selected Teron Matthew, safety mm. out of LSU, who fell down because of some issues, even though his freshman year was absolutely incredible. And if you want to go even further, just a little bit further, with picks 75 and 76 back-to-back, again, Arthur Brown was 56. 75 and 76, 19 and 20 picks later, the New Orleans Saints and San Diego Chargers selected Teron Armstead, Pro Bowl left tackle, and Keenan Allen, uh, respectively, the wide receiver who is still just dominating uh, out of California. Tim, I'm, I'm not interested in the Ravens drafting a talented wide receiver. That's why true. They, That's true. It would have been a bust that? at that point. And yeah, to right. be fair, we didn't need to draft Tyron Matthew because we drafted future Hall of Famer Matt Elam in the first round that year. Uh, so we didn't even have a need for safety, Tim, at that point. Oh, boy. Brandon <laughs> oh boy. Williams did come with the 94th pick. but Thank you. Thank you, Tim. We need some positivity. It's June. Everything is going smooth Everything's for this Ravens good. franchise. <laughs> All right. We appreciate you guys listening to us uh, in this a late spring, uh, a, a nearly summer edition of Pod Like a Raven. Uh, for Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I am Antonio Barbera. We will be back in a certain number of weeks, depending on uh, how, how news breaks for the Ravens and the NFL as a whole. But thank you so much for listening to us and sticking with us. And before you know it, we will be in August. We'll be talking about real games, real schedules, real opponents for the Ravens as they reach the ultimate goal of the Lombardi Trophy once again. Thanks for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.